Tim's a bunch of badasses if you know what I mean They're coming out of the sky, out of the sea And on land, gonna take it to the enemy Hey folks, Commander Divine coming at you from Seal Fit and Unbeatable Mind. This is the Unbeatable Mind podcast with your host, Mark Divine. That's me. And today I have a really cool guest, Jesse Lawler, on the line. And we're going to have a great chat with Jesse about smart drug smarts. And I'll explain what that is in a second. But before we get rocking and rolling here, uh, just a quick kind of enticement to go to our website and drop your email into um, our email list or our opt-in form. You can't miss it, right? Because we are a business and the little thing will pop up and it'll say, put your email in here and watch some video. Do that because um, we send out a lot of cool stuff via our email list. Um, some great videos we call Seal Fit TV, my written blog, which comes out every um, Friday or Saturday, and some really cool stuff. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, then you might want to jump over there and do that. And I'll probably remind you at the end or offer you something cool. So Jesse, now Jesse's cool. We've just spent the last 20 minutes talking, and we would have gone for another 20 minutes, but I reminded him that we actually had a podcast to do. Thank you. Yeah, welcome, Jesse. So, so good to see you. <laughs> and um, Jesse, where are you right now in the world? I'm actually over in Saigon, Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City. Good God. Really? How cool. Man. Yeah, other side of the world. It's actually almost 2 in the morning here. Saigon. Yeah, that, that, that name brings up a lot of interesting, um, interesting thoughts for sure, especially from a Navy SEAL. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, Saigon. I'd love to get over there. I've never been to Vietnam. Um, I hear it's a beautiful country. It is a beautiful and very interesting country. A, well, a lot different than people that have never been here kind of, I, th I think, uh, conceive. Like, you know, in America, we think of Vietnam as a war, not a place. Right. Very true. Well, w w you know, since we're on the subject, what is, what is most interesting about it? You know, if you could capture that for us. Boy, I, I guess kind of from the American perspective, what's so interesting is, is how unaware the Vietnamese are of, of the fact that Americans think of it as a war and not a place. It's like it's a very young country. I'd say that probably the average age is maybe like seven or eight years younger than the average age of people in America. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's really significant, actually. And um, yeah, people here are generally pretty peppy, lively. It, it was like Vietnam was actually rated last year. I forget what uh, magazine it was that did the rating. It was the second happiest country in the world after only Costa Rica based on, you know, a scattergram of things like, you know, level of antidepressants and, you know, general, the, you know, the, the, how long marriages stay together and all that stuff. But yeah, pretty happy people. It's been a good place to uh, spend a lot of the last two years for me. Is it still primarily, except for like Ho Chi Minh, is it still primarily an agrarian uh, culture? Would you uh, think? Less, less so. I mean, you know, the third world is, is getting more industrialized all the time. Um, there's still a lot of agrarian stuff. You go out in the you know, smaller principalities. But on the other hand, you know, it's, it's a big offshore um, you know, factory place for like a lot of Japanese companies are here now. There's a ton of universities. I look along the skyline. There's a lot of big buildings going up. So, hmm. yeah. And is English becoming a, a common language, spoken language? Can you, get your, can you get around with English? I can get it in, in the big cities. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of tourist infrastructure for it. There's actually a lot of infrastructure also for Russians. A lot of like oil rich Russians come down here on vacation. Um, 
so yeah, you, you can you can get by on it. I mean, Vietnamese is a very very difficult language. So uh, yeah, the, the Vietnamese who who recognize that they're kind of hobbled by uh, speaking sort of a, a third tier language are are all learning English as fast right. as they can. Right. Well, we can. I'm certainly we can come back to this because there's got to be a really interesting story as to why the heck you're in Saigon. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Like, I guess we did kind of diverge there. Let's get back on track. You know, I was talking um, a little earlier about how, you know, I like to keep, you know, a lot of people are podcasting and just offering tips and hacks and stuff like that. And I think that's interesting. And we all want to know how to, how to, you know, do one or two things better. Uh, And we'll we'll get to that. But what what really um, drives me is to get to the heart of the matter, so to speak, of how someone um, operates, what drives people and how they're working to, um, improve their own lives and the world. And I think, you know, you've got a, a vision to do that with your podcast, which you mentioned to me is your primary focus right now. And the, the, the name is a little awkward. Uh, at least it was for me initially, Smart Drug Smart. And I get it now when you explain to me it's all about improving cognition and, you know, and how technology can help that, like pharmaceuticals or, or natural uh, things. How can we improve our cognition? Well, that's right up our alley with Unbeatable Minds. So uh, I think... The, um, it's it's a good time to kind of dig in, but before we get into the details of like what works and what doesn't to improve our cognition, uh, you know the smart dread smarts way. Let's talk about you, and I want to ask you some questions, and I'm going to make these kind of standard, starting now. So you're my guinea pig. All right. Uh, you know, standard for guests is um, these four questions, and I might evolve them over time. But the first is, uh, tell us what your your what we're going to call, and my uh, friend and mentor Peter Diamandis calls massive transformative purpose. What is your massive transformative purpose? Meaning that that thing that just fires you up so much that you really don't think about much else, and you you've aligned your life to really fulfill this purpose. Well, it's a, it's a tough one. Got it. You know, I, I feel like I've got an answer to that one, and it's. I would love at the end of my life to look back and kind of see like if if I was sort of reminiscing on the biopic movie version of my own life, like would this be a good movie to watch? Like against the other biopics I've watched in my life that I've really liked about historical figures or what have you, like would, would the Jesse Lawler movie, you know, actually make it to my DVD player? And, and if the answer is yes, then I'll be a pretty happy guy. Oh, that's cool. All right. And so, so you kind of um, look at your life as a evolution of consciousness of your own, and that you know you want to fulfill an interesting journey, one that you would be very pleased to to watch in a biopic. That's very yeah. Cool. I mean, I'm a sucker for you know the sort of Joseph Campbell hero story, right? Yeah, uh, you know, hero with a thousand faces kind of idea, and I I think that to a large extent. Human, humans are wired to get into that story, that sort of hero's arc. Mm-hmm. And if you could make that apply to your own life, so much the better. Absolutely. So like the hero, uh, you, you set out and seek out challenge, I mean, you, and you expect failure, right? And that's how you learn. It, it, yeah. I think bumping your head against reality is probably the way to, uh, to make the most growth. Absolutely. It's, it's like, I mean, honestly, I kind of look forward to things that are really difficult because I kind of feel like in, unless you're going up against obstacles that are at the limit of your ability, then nobody's going to notice your efforts. Absolutely. 
You're right. I mean, humans grow through challenge. That's been one of my mantras for a while with Unbeal Mind. And if you shy from challenge, it's kind of like going into the gym and deciding that you're going to do one push up, you know, because it's going to, you know, doing 20 right. or 50 or, you know, as many as you can in two minutes is going to be hard. And so why, why even do it? Um, yeah. So we press forward and we run toward the sound of gunfire because we know that's where the growth is. Yeah. You. Okay. So next question is, um, what do you truly value in life? You know, and then what I'm, what I'm alluding to here is what are your values? But, I, you know, that's it's such a weak way, an old way to, to define values is to make a list of things that other people value. <laughs> right? <laughs> but what do you truly value in life? Like if you were to list the top three things that you value. I guess the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, I guess, making the most of one's time. Like I, I don't own a television. I, I intentionally, I mean, I do watch things on YouTube occasionally. I'll, I'll admit that. But um, I, I feel like I see a lot of people doing things that to me just seem like the catastrophic wastes of time, given that, you know, we do have a finite amount of time on earth. And I, I guess I try to um, align my values around just, you know, taking advantage of, of, of the limited resources that we have, um, whether it's, you know, time or attention. I mean, I guess attention is really our most finite resource. We talk about, um, you know, what, what we spend our attention on. And I think we really should think of it as spending because we have a limited amount. I love that. That's awesome. So in that, it, it's clear to me that you value, um, you value uh, education and growth. You've already alluded to that. You value uh, presence, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. more distracting than scattering your energy um, through constant consumption of media, right? Especially the, the, the babble that comes out of the TV and surfing the web and whatnot and be constantly on your, um, your iPhone or whatever. So through atten- you know, focusing your attention on things that are important, you know, you're, you're able to um, be more uh, present and attentive you know, with those people that end up you know, fortunate enough to be in your life. Yeah. That, I mean, and right? of course, yeah. in theory, all this sounds like, well, of course, you, you always know what the right thing to focus your attention on. That's not true. It's like you need to taste test the smorgasbord a little bit to, uh, to be able to even come up with an, a good opinion about what's worth spending your time on. But, but yeah, I, I think once, once you have an idea of what really is meaningful and, and enticing to you, then trying to get as much of that that thing or those things as possible is the best. Right. I love that. Now, this is cool. So we're, this is leading us to kind of understand Jesse Lawler a little bit better. And um, I would say the, the third question is, uh, what do you stand for, right? And so, you know, this idea of developing a personal stand or personal ethos is inclusive of your, you know, your, your transformative purpose and your values, but it's also um, it's more descriptive of, of your personality, right? And so, if I were to say, Jesse, what do you stand for? Could you, you know, could you give me a couple statements that, you know, like if you were backed against the wall uh, or you had a year left to live or, you know, think about that, or you won the lottery, um, how would you live your life, you know, um, in alignment with your stand? Yeah. God, I forget who wrote this. I feel like I read this recently that, kind of what you stand for is akin to what you would take responsibility for, like what, what you would, um, 
be willing to inconvenience yourself to, to make the right thing happen, whatever that means to you. And I, I guess that's sort of a, a question about personal integrity. Um, where would you inconvenience yourself to really make the right thing happen? And I've, I feel like I would take a stand for, I mean, you know, cert- certainly friends and family and to a certain extent, truth. It's like, I've, I've, I'm, I'm a pretty argumentative guy. It's like we've been having a great conversation right now, so you, you wouldn't know it. But, but I mean, my, my family, it's like whenever we get together, we always have, you know, good-natured arguments. But sure. like, I get loud sometimes. It's like I can be a sort of a feisty, passionate guy. Uh, my grandfather was a lawyer, and I definitely got, got some of those genes handed down. And um, yeah, I kind of feel like I like, I like the, the Thomas Jefferson idea. The, the, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it was something like um, in, in the marketplace of ideas – uh, the best will rise to the surface, but like you're you're only going to have that that marketplace if it's like a Persian bazaar of everybody yelling their ideas at one another. So you're actually able to make a decision if everybody's polite or um or, or isn't willing to to speak up for you know verbally defending why they think their idea is the right idea. Then, then you know, all sorts of terrible shit can float to the surface. I, I feel like you just um, described the blogosphere, by the way, right? <laughs> well, well, yeah, at least everyone's screaming at one another. Yeah. Ideas, right? <laughs> but yeah, and so and so, good good ideas do float to the surface, even in the internet and blogosphere. You know, you may have to search a little bit, but usually it's through word of mouth and whatnot. Yeah, so I don't feel like I gave you a very a very good or clear answer to that when I was kind of like trying to work my way towards actually answering it as I was thinking off the top of my head. But but yeah, I guess I feel like taking a stand for truth and the ability for people to um, kind of discover their truth through through argument and communication is something that I feel very very strongly about. That's cool. So um, we'll move on. The next question really is going to get us back to kind of your work, which is how we kind of ex- express ourselves and serve others. Um, so, you know, our, our lives aren't, you know, just all about self-obsession, you know, <laughs> personal yeah. growth can be really a, a self-obsessive sometimes. And so, you know, navel gazing. Yeah, exactly. And so um, we want to be able to, to obviously take our eyes off ourselves and put them on others uh, around us, others we love and, you know, humanity in general and, and try to like, you know, help things out, let's just say. So, how do you serve? I mean, how do you uh, take this purpose of yours and your values and the stand of yours, which is, I think you articulated it really well. And then there's no right answer there to that. It's basically trying to answer the question who you are. You know, like Socrates said, an unexamined life is not worth living. So these mm-hmm. are questions that, you know, we can ask ourselves every day. And sometimes, you know, when you're asked it for the first time, like I see in our Seal Fit Academies, people literally look at me, you know, kind of shell-shocked. They're like, crap, I don't know the answer to those questions. You know, and I'm 50 years old. What's wrong Gosh. with me? <laughs> I'm like, nothing's wrong with you, but you, you just never ask the right question. You know, so how do you, how do you serve and, and how does the podcast play into that? You know, Boy, that's, it's an interesting one because if you asked me that question a couple of years ago, I probably wouldn't have had a good answer. It's like now I feel like the podcast actually gives me a good answer, but I, d- I didn't really get into the podcast with super altruistic, I want to save the world motives. Um, it, it was almost more that I was looking for a creative outlet. Um, I'd been working in Hollywood for a while when I got back into technology and, and I was working in a sort of purely like numbers world. I, I kind of wanted to do something a little bit more creative again that I could kind of have like an authorial thumbprint on. And I also have always really been into science and 
kind of wanted the excuse to call up a bunch of smart people that work in neuroscience and things like that and ask them questions about things that I personally was interested in. And I knew that just as a private citizen calling people up, I, I probably wasn't going to get many phone calls returned. But you know, I sort of put on my Jesse the Podcaster hat and, and had a little public forum for people to speak on, which of course was very, very small at first, and, and um, was able to get those phone calls returned with, with increasing success. And then just kind of, you know, invited the audience along for the ride and gave people the chance to um, just shadow those conversations that I was having that were really interesting to me. And luckily, there's there's enough other people that have found those conversations to be interesting and valuable that at this point, there's a, a pretty good and growing listenership. So, um, I, again, I kind of feel like I've, I've lucked into having a decent answer to that question in that it, now the podcast is actually serving a relatively large group of people on a weekly basis, getting to overhear some pretty interesting conversations with, with leading minds in neuroscience. But it, again, I, I'd be lying if I said it was purely altruistic. I mean, it, it's awesome for me because I'm getting to speak with people that I find really, really interesting. Right. I think that's neat. I, I don't think it's uncommon to kind of back into, uh, back into a, a, a purpose and a, a value and delivery of massive value. Um, you know, when the person's ready, sometimes the format and the structure shows up or kind of evolves around you. A lot of that's yeah. happened to me with Unbeal Mind. Like, there's stuff that's happening that I'm like, where is this coming from? You know, is this the universe at work or it's just the momentum of good deeds kind of like coming back and all of a sudden, you know, um, there's things that are happening there that, that pop up. You're like, him, hmm, interesting. I mean, this podcast of mine is a good example. I, I resisted it. We had the conversation a little bit earlier, you know, yeah. like, ah. I'm not sure I want to be a podcaster, but um, I really enjoy this. I, I'm enjoying our conversation. I, I'm enjoying um, getting to know who's behind the what. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I said earlier, most podcasters, and I think you probably do a good job of getting into the, the conversations about you know the personal dynamics too, because I can tell from your character that's important to you. But um, there's a lot. Of, there's there's enough information about do this and do that. You know what I mean? There, I mean, we're just overwhelmed with different lists and tips and fads and, you know, do this and do that's in the world. But a, a, a part, a paucity, is that the right word, of wisdom about just opening up your heart and your mind and training to be a better person, you know, mastering yourself so that you can show up better in the world. And, and I think that's kind of where I can where I can um, add some value with a podcast. And I, I'm sorry for going off on that little soliloquy. No, not, not at all. I, I wanted to, I guess, come back to something you said, which is that these things can kind of be self-reinforcing. It's like you know, all of us, you know, except for the 1% of humans that are, that are you know, card-carrying psychopaths, it's like the, the rest of us all like draw positive feedback when, when a, a, a tribe of community starts forming around you and says, hey, we like what you're doing. This is helping us out. It's like, you know, you get those good vibes and it kind of becomes a, a self-reinforcing thing. So I, I think it really makes sense. You know, we, at heart, we like helping other people. We're all social monkeys. There you go. I love that. Definitely a monkey here. So let's get into some of the, the actual, um, like, cool things that you've learned talking to the latest, you know, the cutting edge, you know, neuroscientists and neuroplasticity experts. Like, what, yeah. what give us, like, the, some of the biggest ahas about what you've learned and where thing, what's the state of the union, so to speak, when it comes to, you know, studies of the brain and, and consciousness and whatnot. Well, I, th I think, boy, the, the state of where we're at is actually really exciting because 
kind of everybody in the world of neuroscience says that, hey, don't look now, but we're in the golden age of neuroscience. Like it, it, things are like something like the amount of information on the brain specifically is is doubling every year or something. It's like it's beyond Moore's law. It's just it's it's crazy the amount of um you know super high resolution and real time brain scans and, and just all kinds of stuff. So we are um, getting information about the way the brain works just light speed faster compared to what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, kind of the, the kind of information that we're starting to see in medicine and things like that now based on uh, the Human Genome Project from the 1990s, it, we're kind of about 20 years behind that in, in kind of the, the brain studies that are going on now. But a similar amount of funding that went into the Human Genome Project is now going into a couple of projects. There's one that's funded by the U.S., there's one that's funded by the European Union, but that are basically trying to you know, disentangle the mysteries of the brain the way that the Human Genome Project disentangled the mysteries of, of our genetics. And I think we'll, we'll be able to expect, you know, benefits along the lines of that. And in a way, um, you know, nothing is more profoundly us than our brains. It's like, you know, we, we all are this chemical bath. It's, it's sort of boring and, and, you know, prosaic and, uh, you know, unromantic as it is to think that it, all, you know, all of our consciousness kind of, you know, boils down to this, uh, you know, four pound or two and a half pound, um, you know, glob of mostly fat within our skulls. It kind of does. And, um, you know, if, if we can tease apart what's really going on in there, that just opens up a world of possibilities. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. And I, I still think it's partial, right? This, you know, I'll, I'll allude to my kind of bias here is that, you know, the brain is just the executive function of the mind. Uh, it is not the mind. And, and the chemical correlates and electrical stimulation are certainly valuable um, because, you know, those are, the, those are the tracking mechanisms of what's going on when consciousness is doing its work. But consciousness goes beyond the organs of the human body, right? Now, that's a, that's a profound yeah. statement that science uh, will not necessarily agree with. You know, like Ray, Ray Kurzweil, you know, one of the probably our, our most, you know, popular or well-known kind of futuristic scientists will say that, yeah, Mark, that's really interesting, but really that's, you know, complexity of patterns, right? And so the more complex the patterns are, they become kind of self-aware, and it's still just, you know, chemicals and synaptical firings, but it's a very complex system that, you know, that leads to consciousness. And, I, and so I don't agree with that, but um, I think it's fascinating because now we've got, you know, folks that you're interviewing and talking to and, and who are, you know, trying to trying to map the brain and, and all these, like you, what you call the chemical soup. And they're going to find correlates between consciousness and they'll find places where they don't correlate. And I think that mm -hmm. that will be really interesting, right? Because that, that'll then open up the discussion and the bridge between the spiritual world and, you know, yoga and these other places that have, that have been studying this from an, with an internal telescope for thousands of years, you know? Yeah. And I just, you know, let me, let me say one more thing and I don't want to take the focus off you for, but um, this is very interesting because it's in on my mind. I just came back from a two day summit on technology and, you know, I heard from um, some leading thinkers like Viterbi, Dr. Viterbi was there, the guy who had his, you know, was the very first person to have his genome mapped. And I actually mm -hmm. signed up to be um, to have my genome mapped this fall. Uh, so Viterbi cool. and Peter Diamandis and um, I think the leading stem cell researcher, I, I forget his name, Harari, I think, uh, started a company called Human Longevity Inc. And they are going to be ready to, you know, using, um, you know, very high speed computers um, and, you know, the, 
um, big data and whatnot, they're going to be able to start mapping, you know, everyday people's genomes. And of course, the, they want to get it beyond the end of one, you know, sample they mm-hmm. have. And so I'm going to be part of the group that actually have my genome mapped, uh, which is pretty freaking cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the idea is to be able to predict disease, you know, down to the, you know, so the, mm-hmm. you can get, you can get an idea of what your, your indicators are and where, you, what, you know, what you may have a proclivity toward, you know, and then um, designer drugs within a few years will be able to target that and preempt it, which is pretty freaking yeah. cool. And so, so the sim, like you alluded to similar research for the brain could, could radically enhance our ability to be healthy mentally and psychologically. Um, but also, and I want to get your take on this, and this is kind of something that's interesting to me to d- leverage. I think we will be able to accelerate our mental development through virtual reality, virtual worlds, which will simulate and, and spur our visual uh, capacity, which is a big part of our um, thinking, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the movie Lawnmower Man alluded to that. You remember that movie? Way early in the nineties, yeah, amazing, like one of those first right? computer-generated movies, right? And but they they were spot on. You know, the guy got plugged into virtual reality, and then his brain just got radically stimulated. And as his brain developed, right, he was able to take on. You know, he was able to, to totally control his body. You know, mm-hmm. he was able to like manifest uh, uh, blisters and make them go away. And wow. I was telling some of the folks this morning in my warrior yoga session that I was reading a book by a guy named Swami Rama, who was a an, you know a, 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 a advanced yogi he died in um i think the late 80s but there's actually uh, he he met with scientists and he demonstrated a similar capacity where he would manifest a tumor and then make it go away in the same Whoa. day right and so it's yeah. the power of the mind is amazing and for science to you know science to study it is one thing because you're just studying a the a state of mind you know like okay this is what's mm-hmm. happening or this happens when you're dreaming or this happens when you're you know, when you're thinking or, or playing music or having sex, and that's all really interesting, but it doesn't help me become better at those things or right. more effective as a human being. And so marrying up this knowledge base that's growing about what the brain is and what it's capable of and all this, you know, it's all its, you know, physical correlates with an actual process to enhance our cognition, enhance our IQ, enhance our EQ, to enhance our overall sense of consciousness and to literally elevate the entire global population to a world-centric point of view, which would literally end war instantly if we could do that. You know what I mean? Right. How cool. And so, anyways, back to you. <laughs> what, no. what else is going on? <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, I, th- I think thinking about things that are, are not even necessarily distant future, that are fairly near future, is you know, probably one of the most interesting ways that we can spend our time right now because... Yeah, it, it, you know, one of the problems with sci-fi movies, I, I love sci-fi movies. I'm a giant movie fan, but most of them are like the exploration of the world staying exactly the same, except for one particular aspect of technology changing. And of course, that's not the way the r- world really works. We have all these different pieces of technology advancing at once. We have, you know, biotechnology, nanotechnology, nuclear technology, you know, all these things, you know, simultaneously on different accelerating curves and in the way that those things will, um, you know, all interact together right. is, is just bizarre to think about. Yeah, it's, it's, mean, a, it's a stretch. And I think that's one of the things that I like to do. And another reason why I think these, this platform of the podcast is really cool is to, to keep people abreast of what's going on. You know what I mean? To, have, mm-hmm. to, to open up a dialogue so that we don't get 
blown over by the tsunami of technology that's coming down the pike. I mean, it's it's extraordinary. I mean, it's it's largely hidden right now because a lot of the technology is just entering the disruptive phase. But artificial intelligence, robotics, machine learning, big data, sensors um, are going to radically change the human experience. You know, we we're, were talking about this yesterday, and this is kind of a mind bender, but you know, within a short period of time, let's just throw a number. I'll, I'll probably say 10 years just to be cautious, but, you know, um, futurists will say it's sooner because the technology exists today. But we, we will not need meeting spaces um, because we'll be basically doing our work in virtual environments, which means, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a company with a thousand people or even five people, there's no reason to, to spend money and, uh, you know, lease an office space. Um, and, and you get all, because you get all the benefits and more by putting on the Oculus Prime or, or the Microsoft, you know, headset and beaming yourself into a virtual environment that you can literally feel and feels as real as if you went to the office space. And then you think about New York and Chicago and Los Angeles. And what about all all those office buildings? What the hell do we do with those? Right. We turn them into vertical farms or, you know what I mean? The housing or something like that, because you don't need the meeting space anymore. And oh, by the way. You know, the highways will be populated with autonomous cars. You will not be allowed to drive on the highway, right? And so those car enthusiasts who've got their 55 muscle cars, you know, are going to have to (laughs) stick to the back roads. But I mean, to that extent, you won't even need to. It's like with ubiquitous, like WiMAX everywhere. It's like your your reason for needing to get in a car kind of disappears too. Yeah, but it's kind of what I was talking about earlier. We don't want to lose our humanness. And so... I want to drive a Harley Davidson on a back road. You know, I don't want an autonomous Harley. You know what I mean? What the hell the good is that? Yeah, I, I, I completely hear you. But like, I think our definition of humanness is really going to be changing and it's going to be changing faster. I mean, that's always been true. It's like, if you look at the way that the human species has been changing over the past 2,500 years, it's, it, but it's on this weird accelerating it's curve. It's accelerating dramatically, right? And, and, you know, the Darwinian evolution is, is kind of defunct now compared to technological evolution, which is going, you know, we'll be able to select elements of our kids' genes and things like that in the very, very near future. And, and once we're being doing like hardware upgrades, like your kid's born with an Oculus Prime or whatever, <laughs> then um, again, you know, our, our genetics, it, yeah. as interesting as it is, all the advances that we're making there, I think kind of the... Uh, th- those upgrades are going to never be as quick as the sorts of upgrades that are going to be, you know, purely, you know, digital in nature that are going to be merged with us somehow. Yeah, I have this sense that we're just kind of like repeating things, um, but with using a different, you know, different methodology. Let me re- explain. Um, you know, if you if you read or study yoga like I have for almost twenty years. And you read these accounts, or the martial arts. Those of you who are on this call are a martial artist or yogi know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there's these powers that develop when you when you develop when you when you are radically focused on developing your mind and body over 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year period of time. Things start to happen, right? In the yoga texts and Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, they call them cities, right? And so there are there are legends and stories about advanced yogis who you know can walk on water and manifest food out of thin air and this crazy stuff. But like the power of the mind, it's like that movie Lucy alluded to, right? The power of the mind. You know, if you're only leveraging, you know, I wouldn't say a, you can't really point to a percentage because we're probably using all of our mind, but we're just not using it in the, with the power and the focus. I would love to come back to that 10% yeah. of the mind. Well, I, I've made the mistake in the past to say that too. And, and I've, I've got to go back and redact some of the right writing because I, I, that, that's 
false. I think it's false because, you know, your mind is always active, but, you know, what you can't say that, you know, certain parts are just locked down because everything is important. Everything's being used. It's just, again, how are the, inter- how are the interactions going and what's the, what's the, uh, the life force and electrical energy running through it and the ability to concentrate deeply on one thing and the right things, right? And that's where the yogi said they developed the ability to concentrate to such a deep level they would understand matter to its ability, to its like literally molecular, molecular level to where they could, they could work with it and transform it. And this is what, like if you re- read Kurzweil's book, um, you know, the, the singularity is near or some of his other work, he talks about, you know, when, when quantum computing starts to accelerate far past, you know, human potential, then essentially all matter becomes part of, you know, the computing world. Right. How strange. And nanotechnology will allow us to basically create physical objects out of thin air. Now, we're already starting to see the early points of that with 3D printing, right, where we can print organs and we can print food and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But, you know, the the Star Trek replicator where you'd be able to push a button and, and all of a sudden get a chicken sandwich is going to happen, Right. Mm-hmm. And so how interesting to think that, you know, a yogi could do that a couple thousand years ago with his <laughs> mind. <laughs> and now we're going to be able to do it through technology. So it's like democratizing, you know, the yogi. Democratizing the, magic. <laughs> democratizing magic. Yeah, exactly. How cool. Now, I know uh, the caveat is this, this may sound a little out there, but um, people who get to know me may think, okay, Navy SEAL, yogi, I guess that's out there. So I get a pass. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> All right, we probably should get um, kind of moving on here because people have things to do and places to go and people to see. Um, anything else that's like bouncing around in your mind that you'd love to share uh, at this point in time? You, you know what? I, I guess I'll just come back to the uh, the ten percent of the brain thing because I, I would love to like address that in a public forum. That the ten percent of the brain thing would be akin to saying that we only use ten percent of our muscles because we're not constantly always doing jumping jacks and backflips. It's like <laughs> we probably only use ten percent of our of like any one of our you know brains at a certain time. It's like I could be thinking really hard, but you know our our biology is a stingy, stingy beast. We wouldn't be evolving this very, very physiologically expensive organ that is the brain if it wasn't going to get used to its fullest. It's like evolution doesn't work that way. It's like the brain is something like, uh, you know, two and a half, three percent of our total weight, but it uses like 25 percent of all the calories that we consume. So it's, it's a very physiologically expensive organ. And you got to believe if it's there that, you know, we're sapping it for all we can get. Yeah. Well, you know, I agree with you, but again, it comes back to the the quality, right? And so when Henry Ford built the Model T, that Model T was working at its 100% capacity. But Mm -hmm. compared to, you know, a Ferrari Testosterosa or whatever that is, um, or a Lamborghini or Bugatti, you know, it it pales in comparison in terms of performance and output, right? And so we we have that in our, in the human population. We have Model Ts out there. Uh, We have lawnmowers, and then we have freaking Ferraris and Bugattis, right? And so I think I want to, I want to be a Bugatti. I want, and I want everyone listening to this, and and I want you to be a Bugatti. Um, yeah. And so that requires some fine tuning, right? It requires some precision instrumentation. It requires a team to really help us focus and to upgrade, and to to you know. Um, maybe change out some parts here and there. And that's, that's really what um, mental development and conscious development is all about. And because we're not all equal. And I think anyone who thinks that we're all equal is, is wrong. Um, 
And, but you can, you know, through training and through development and through reading and through, you know, every you know, education and through Kokoro Camp and Seal Fit Academy and many other methods, we can develop ourselves. And, and that's the warrior way. That's why, you know, that's what I do. That's the warrior way is to develop ourselves, master ourselves so that we can serve humanity. Yeah. If you're going to geek out on anything, I think geeking out on self-betterment is absolutely the best choice you can make. It's like, totally. yeah, I'm with you. Awesome. So, um, where can people learn more about you, your podcast, things that you're interested in? I would love it if anybody who is interested would check out smartdrugsmarts.com. And uh, yeah, you can see, I think we're up to 62 episodes of the podcast now and new ones coming out every week. Very, very cool. All right, folks. Um, thank you very much, Jesse. Thank you, Mark. Really appreciate Fantastically it. Fantastically fun conversation. Really digging it. Um, so we'll have to do this again sometime and let us know, let me know how I can help you or support you or serve you in your, in your mission, you know? Um, cool, man. Like for you. Okay, buddy. Thank you very much. We'll say goodbye to Jesse now. And I just remind you to go and uh, drop your email into our email list. I think also you'll find a pretty cool offer of an ebook or some video that my team is putting together. And those are going to change because we keep on wanting to upgrade and offer you some cool stuff and, this all starts with just getting your name on our email list. So go do that. And um, I'm going to sign out. Until next time, hoo-yah. Train hard, stay safe, and have fun. Come here. Bye. Out. Lock and load, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back. The pride of the fleets. The bright swinging frogmen of the U.T.T. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.